coming to you from the Nasser Alexander Kuchecki Studios, this is The Right Hash. The Right Hash is brought to you by Slim Sweets and by Speedy Custom Sneakers. Now, let's spark it up with your hosts, Luke Nadkarni and Alex Thompson. Hello and welcome once again to the Nasser Alexander Kuchecki Studios for The Right Hash for the first time in about three weeks. First and foremost, we'd like to wish you a happy Father's Day. And of course, you saw our tweet this morning, as he does every year, former UNC basketball coach Roy Williams wishing current UVA basketball coach Tony Bennett a happy Father's Day because Tony Bennett just made Roy Williams his bitch when Roy was still the UNC coach. Okay, now that that's out of the way, I'd like to introduce, as always, Alex Thompson and uh, Alex, both our teams uh, off to off to starts on the wrong foot in the College World Series in Omaha, Nebraska. Yeah, um, we'll talk more about those games, but de- definitely uh, b- both of us have our work cut out uh, ahead of us, hoping to see more than one more game of our squads for the rest of the year. Um, I-, I echo what you said. Happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there, um, spe- especially in sports. A lot of them are the reason that we follow uh, sports so shout out to them and uh helping us get addicted to this disease known as uh sports fanhood sportship whatever it is we're, we're we're hooked we can't get rid of it thank you guys it's like it's like breaking bad but but with sports <laughs> it's like <laughs> yeah, it, yeah like we, exactly breaking we, balls <laughs> we we have uh, that sounds painful we we have uh, yeah, we do have we do have a father on our show from time to time mike barlow i want to extend a special uh, happy father's day to him uh connor lily not not a dad yet but his dad chris is one of the coolest people i've ever met and of course of course our dads uh our, our dads are great my dad mohan ed carney and stepfather andrew fry uh, my brother jacob is also a father he's been a father for this is his fourth father's day so he's he's got he's got it down by now he's making the puns and stealing the food from his kid and, and all the things that dads do so uh just to okay it's, it's always cool that, that i always like that the uh the college world series is around this time too, because there's, there's always that overlap, very, very father, son, uh, zeitgeist with, with baseball. But uh, we will, we'll talk about college world series, a little bit of a NBA. There's some trade rumors going down uh, in Washington. We'll, we'll touch on that a little bit later when we talk NBA. And uh, of course uh, the commanders in the news for a potential running back signing. I have some thoughts on that. Alex has some thoughts on that as well. Uh, so we've got, we've got a, a little bit of a potpourri going on here this morning, but uh, going back to Saturday, uh, Virginia choking against Florida in the bottom of the ninth and in, in, a, in a really great game, the game, the game so far, I guess with the exception of, of the last first round game last night have been, been really, really good decided in the ninth inning and the Virginia up five, three got an insurance run in the top nine uh, on a triple by Harrison Didowick. And then just Florida just became Florida, just p- started playing the gorilla ball that they're so famous for uh, in that park, which is known as a pitcher's park. And both those home runs were just no doubters like off the bat. Uh, and, and I, I think when that second one was hit, I was like, okay, th- we're not going to extra innings here. Florida's going to win this. Uh, just, you just kind of know at a certain point. And it, it was tough to watch, but at the same time, those two famous words that always stay in the back of my mind, that's baseball. And, and you, you got to play all nine innings and Virginia played eight and a half great innings. And, and now they're facing elimination to, today against TCU. Yeah. Um, first game was certainly interesting. Um, the, the battle of the orange and blue, I, I should say uh, 
second second game, wasn't it? That was after that Oral Roberts TCU madness. Um, yes. Which, a- as you mentioned, I mean, a- every game this weekend has been a one-run game except for LSU Tennessee last night, which was still, you know, at the end of the day, a, a good game on paper. Um, there, there, there's a lot to talk about there, but, um, you know, just sticking to Florida, Virginia for a minute. Um, I, I, I had an issue with the pitching uh, decision there in the ninth inning. Uh, you have a guy spinning it in the eighth that uh, wasn't touched, records three Ks. Um, and you bring in a different guy in the ninth. I understand hindsight 2020. Um, e- even going that far, you give up two home runs. I tell you right now, that guy's not pitching to Jack Caglione. And I, I, I don't know how, how he was allowed to pitch the next three guys to load the bases just to, uh, you know, lay the blame on someone else for eventually giving up the, the, the run. Um, but, you know, it, it happens. Florida's a really good team. They're number two in the country for a reason. They have uh, had such a successful season for a reason. They're loaded with talent up and down, uh, a lot of pitching as well. Um, Jack Caglione, for my money, is the player of the year. We'll see what happens. I know uh, Cade Grice from Clemson won the uh, two-way player of the year. To me, that signals that uh, Jack Caglione is going to win player of the year. Um, Tough team, man. A really, really tough team. And you know, that that's just the type of team that we ran into. It seemed like every weekend in the SEC. So I, I, I completely sympathize with with your opening round and you move on to play uh, TCU this afternoon, actually, at uh, is that two o'clock? Yeah, two o'clock. I'm sitting here doing the conversion and it's too early for me to be doing time <laughs> conversions. Uh, but yes, uh, 2, p- 2 p.m. Eastern on ESPN uh, should be a really good one. TCU just I honestly had a very similar uh, ending to Virginia, just kind of got ninth inning and pretty much it it, it happens. It have it's happened a lot in regionals, uh, even uh, to the last game between Stanford and Texas uh, with the inexplicable ball got lost in the light. The stars at night are big and bright (laughs) deep in the heart (laughs) of Texas type of shit. Um, Stanford's here lost to Wake Forest uh three to two that was a really really good game if you like small ball uh if you like good pitching if you like good defense that was a phenomenal game uh Tennessee taking on Stanford on Monday uh today again TC Virginia and Florida versus Oral Roberts and the the the, the, going back to the the pitching decision by Brian O'Connor before I kind of open it up to my thoughts on the rest of the tournament it was I didn't agree with it, of course, because it ended up not working. But but credit to him, he he owns it and he owns everything that that he does. Um, and, and he's won a national championship before. So so in the moment, I'm not necessarily second guessing it. But you know, when it when it goes down that he, that Virginia lost the game, I'm like okay, maybe that wasn't the right decision. But credit to Coach O'Connor, you know, he 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 made a decision, stuck with it, and owned it, and it just it ended up not working out for him. But but. At, at, almost at the same time after 15 years of Virginia baseball being at the level it's at, I, I almost wouldn't have it any other way. Cause I'm, I'm just happy to have the chance to go up against teams like Florida. I mean, working in the sec during the regular season, I'm like, you know, how would, how would NC state stack up to this team? How would Virginia stack up to this team? And in Omaha, I finally get a chance to see it play out uh, the way it's supposed to play out. And, and it's just, it's, it, to me, it's just the peak college sports uh, enjoyment watching. It, it's, it, it's like, 
yeah, we lost, but it was it was almost an honor to lose in that event to to a team that good. Uh, almost, almost, you know, just because you get a little spoiled by the national championship and you, you want to see the team win. And I, I have confidence about the, the TCU game today. I, th- I think Brian O'Connor coach teams bounce back in a big way uh, usually. So I, I wouldn't want to be the Horned Frogs today. Um, so I, I think, I think Virginia is, is gonna, gonna bounce back. And they, they, they were like this in the, in the Duke series too. Granted they're playing better teams than Duke, but Virginia lost the first game on their home field, bounced back, won the next two games big, uh, including a game I was at with my dad uh, last Sunday, uh, a week ago today, game three. So that, that was, that was a lot of fun, fun atmosphere. Um, but yeah, I mean, you, you can only be, but so angry, I guess, at, at how it played out because, you know, it's not like, it's not like it was a bad umpire's call that, that, you know, swung the game one way or the other, or, you know, a, a stroke of luck one way or the other. It was, those were two monster home runs by Florida. And then, you know, their batters to their credit, worked the count, got the bases loaded with walks and poor Jay Wolfolk having to come in with the bases loaded. Of course, the run didn't get charged to him. The loss didn't get charged to him, but he is the guy, as you said, who everyone sees give it up. And that that's just a bummer for him. But, you know, it's, I, I still, I still have a lot of confidence in this, this Virginia team uh, moving forward because of, you know, who their coach is, their pedigree. You know, this is a team that's been, ha- had their backs against the wall before. Um, and I, I just, I, I'd like to see them get back and get another shot at Florida. I'm not sure that they could beat Florida two times in a row after losing to them once, but I, I just, I, I, it would be poetic if they at least got another shot. Yeah. And um, as I, as I kind of told you offline, you know, not every team here in Omaha is, a fantastic team that's why they're here but if you're virginia you have to at least take a little bit of uh, of, of solace in the fact that if you lose if you win <clears throat> you're matched up with the most ideal two other teams in omaha um again that is not to slight oral roberts or tcu but you know it lsu and tennessee no matter what you do you had to go play wake forest or stanford um who I would take over Oral Roberts or TCU, you know, in in head to head. So at the very least, I, I think you probably see Florida again, like you said, though, can you beat them twice? Uh, Let alone even once really. Um, It should be interesting. All I know, all I know, bottom of the ninth games tied. If the guy comes up to bat is Jack Caglione and your pitcher's just giving up two home runs back to back. You switch pitchers. You don't let the same guy pitch to the player of the year. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. I'll stop on the pitching decision now. That's all I'm saying though. <laughs> well, I, I gotten so used to it too with, with Scott Strickland and he's kind of, he's got captain hook syndrome with, as the manager of Georgia. He did before, uh, before losing his job. But yeah, anytime a Georgia pitcher got into trouble all this year, they were getting pulled. So it's, I was almost like expecting it to happen. And then when it didn't happen, I was like, well, you know, different teams have different philosophies, but you know, they, they were hung up on that lefty versus lefty, righty versus righty matchup. And the game is evolving to a point where that's not quite as relevant anymore. So yeah, just, just Jake, Jake Barry was just done, man. He just, also, he, just he was serving it up. I, I would have walked Jack Gaglione. Uh, not a chance. He sees a pitch from me. Right. I would have walked him <laughs> like, hey, what, what, what does it matter if he's on base? He's 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 yeah. your winning run anyway. Like, exactly. put his ass on base and let someone else figure it out. Like, like they did. Don't get me wrong. Florida figured it out. He he still only made it to first. 
they, they, they walked him and singled him uh, around. So, uh, but they, they pitched to him and that's, I, I, I held my breath every time they threw a pitch to that guy. I mean, he's, he's the nation's home run, home run leader. And he play, he did it in the sec while pitching. Yeah. Like that, that, this guy is the show. Hey, of college sports. If you have call him, him, I think they call him like Jack Connie or like tag con tag Tani or something like that. Jack Tani on yeah. Florida's team. Yeah, that, that they do. And it's, <laughs> it's deserved. The dude throws like 96, 98. Um, he, the country's leading home run hitter, <laughs> like the, the dude does everything and he's going to be interesting. Uh, to see how he translates into the pros, to see if he can do that at that level. Um, you know, it, it's hard to do. There's a reason why we focus on Shohei doing it, but I wouldn't pitch to that guy in the bottom of the ninth, I guess is my point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, 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 it's just, it's just, you just wish you get, you get another shot at him if you're a, yeah. if you're a UVA, like it's, it's all you can do. All you can, it's, it's, like I said before, this team has been there and done that. You know, they've had their backs against the wall in Omaha several times, and it's it's going to be fun to see what this year's team can uh, can do with, with with being a game down. But I wanted to ask you something about Tennessee because uh, while I was watching the game last night, I saw your tweet about, you know, like I got to log off Twitter for tonight. Uh, you know, Vol Twitter's driving me crazy, something to that effect. But I, I just wanted to – you are Vol Twitter for me, basically. And so, I you know, I Thank see you. stuff when I when – I, uh, go on to the right hash Twitter account to post the show, but I don't really on my personal accounts, I don't have a lot of other vols that I see. So like what, what, what were you seeing that made you get to that point? You know, what, what made you say that like Tennessee fans don't know how to process a baseball game? Uh, I mean, f- first off, if we're being honest, Tennessee fans haven't had baseball to follow until Tony Vitello got here. So it, it's, it's just a sport with which vol fans aren't super familiar with outside of the Braves and, the Braves play 162 games a year. Each game means pretty much nothing uh, in the grand scheme of things. When you put them all together, it means a lot, but individual games mean nothing. Um, there was just a lot of like doom and gloom, fire and brimstone when we're down to nothing. Like, oh my God, this is the worst thing that's ever happened. We're doing this again. And I'm, I'm, I'm just kind of sat back like, okay, it's the, it's the third inning uh have you watched anything we've done we lost the first game to southern miss and we came back and creamed them two games in a in a row we we were down you know four runs three runs to clemson in the bottom of the ninth two outs two strikes won that game in 14 um you know that this is a team that performs its best when its back is up against the wall and i i think that still happened last night we didn't emerge victorious we gave up a couple you know sloppy runs that eventually just became the difference but hit an eighth inning home run uh to to make it five to three we gave up an eighth inning home run to make it six to three but i mean that when paul schemes is pitching lsu is the best team in the country period point blank i'll hear no other arguments when he's pitching they're the best team in the country we played the best team in the country last night and we held Tommy White at bay. We held Dylan Cruz at bay. Um, we let other guys beat us. And if you're going to play LSU, some, sometimes that's just how you have to look at it. You know, you, you take your wins against their stars and hope that your players are, are able to make up ground. Um, I'm not going to blame officiating, but there were a couple of unbelievable strike calls with two strikes in the count uh, that 
certainly impacted the momentum of the game. Um, I say that to say I hate when there's officiating issues like that that take away from a you know Herculean performance like Paul Skeens had last night. Um, the guy threw 123 pitches and uh, playing shutout baseball against a Tennessee lineup that, as they say, fucks. Um, <laughs> top to top to bottom, pretty much anyone can hurt you. Uh, they've been an inconsistent group at the plate, but anyone can hurt you throughout that lineup. Um, and they, they didn't give us a lot of day. We, we didn't make it past first base, but Paul schemes in the game. Um, I, there's nothing you can do about that guy. And so, sometimes you just have to, you know, hat tip, you know, okay, this is the best team in the country. When this guy's on the mound, this guy's the best pitcher in baseball right now. I, I was thinking this morning, trying to go back and think of a pitcher that I've seen better. This guy's better than Kumar Rocker. This guy's better than uh, Jack Leiter, who was there with him as well. Um, I, I can't think of really many other pitchers that I've ever seen dominate like this. Jack Caglione may be the other one from this year. Uh, this is what we kind of expected out of Chase Dolander this year. And he's had a good season, but it's not been what we were kind of expecting going into it. Uh, it, it, it's 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 what happens when football people go root for a sport that doesn't have a clock and they just think <laughs> no i i mean no no i, say I, that, I, no, I know i exactly say it jokingly i know exactly what you're talking about though. there's like this oh my god we don't have enough time to make up two runs and yeah. like oh my god the, the momentum we can never snatch it back a bloop and, and a blast a bloop and, and a my, blast my, my whole point is, like, did, did you watch anything of what these guys did throughout the regional and super regional? This is what they do. They get behind a little bit early. It happens. You, you definitely don't want to make a habit of that, especially in Omaha. But they got themselves out of it. Now they're, they're truly up against it. They are in a win-or-go-home scenario. This is where Tennessee has thrived in the last month. Um, Going to be playing a team that is – in my opinion, nowhere near as good as LSU, although they might have the best left-handed pitcher in the country uh, on Stanford's squad. So, you know, seven of these teams are going home. <laughs> There's going to be good teams going home early. The last time we were in Omaha two years ago, uh, we didn't win a game, and we had a much more experienced and better team at that point. So no one three months ago would have thought Tennessee would have been in Omaha at all. So I, I – I just need people to back off the fucking ledge. Like I, I understand it sucks, but you know, it's not like we we're losing 45 to seven to Alabama in football. That, that This is not the same thing. Do not treat it the same way that you not <laughs> kick the dog. You don't need your bucket of, of, you know, smashing light bulbs. Um, it, it's, it's, it's fine. Do not freak out and give yourself a coronary in the third inning of a baseball game. There's no time limit. You can do, <laughs> you have unlimited amounts of potential throughout the rest of the game. Yeah, I, I would. For my first point is, I would say Steven Strasburg is my my Paul Skeens comparison. Just going back to like the late two thousands at a, at San Diego State, uh, Virginia yeah. played them in a, in, a, in a tournament game one year and actually beat Strasburg five to one. That was that was the first year they went to the College World Series. But just the guy with the gas and the dominance, I I, I haven't really seen it since since him. What a uh, the second thing probably. is. You go into you go into this series planning to play multiple games. Tony Vitello isn't just thinking about the first game against Paul Skeens. He's also planning for, all right, we're going to have Stanford or Wake Forest next. We're going to have to 
think about that game a little bit too, because we're, you know, it's a longer tournament. You're not just done after one game. And I think that's what a lot of these fans don't realize is Tennessee goes into this second game with a plan, regardless of what happens in the first game. And I think Tennessee should be the favorite against Stanford. And it's, it's just like, kind of like I was talking about Virginia and Brian O'Connor, you know, the team that's been there and done that uh, in this field, this is, you know, kind of the the guy's driving the bus like he's got control of the bus right Tony Vitello has control of the bus it's not getting off the road it's not hydroplaning just because you lost your first game you come into this tournament with a a course of action throughout your two three four games whatever it's going to be so yeah I think I think Tennessee is definitely going to be ready for this regardless of what happened last night yeah, and you know, I, I love me some Tony Vitello. Um, I also did fire a tweet into the void last night about how I was kind of disappointed um in Tony Vitello not uh b- being more present with the official. Um who I I don't think he made consistently bad calls, but all of his calls that were bad favored LSU and they were it was more the timeliness of them. Um, I mean, there, there were a couple that they showed it on the broadcast. I, you can, you can see that you can see, you know, six inches of dirt between the ball and the plate. Um, and it gets, it get, I mean, it's low in a way it's, it's at the shins. It's not even at the knees It's at the shins. And it, it was the last out in the eighth inning where we were kind of rallying Skeens just got pulled. We hit a home run right after Skeens, uh, you know, what was pulled, and we got a guy on base and had this guy up to bat two outs and just got rung up with one of the most ridiculous calls I've ever seen. And it's something that last year, Tony Vitello would have stormed out of the dugout and made his feelings known. And there were three or three pitches, I would say throughout the game where I was expecting Tony to come out of the dugout and at least have words. And he didn't. And Right, right, wrong, or indifferent. It's just a, it's a big change from how he handled things last year. Um, of course, this is a completely different team than last year. So maybe that's part of it is trying not to get his guys too overworked. Last year's team could handle that. Last year's team thrived off that. This team seems to thrive a little bit more off of a silent assassin type of approach. So maybe that has to go into it. I, I, I was just a little disappointed. We didn't see, I mean, with some of the level of, the few bad calls that were made um i expected him to charge out of the dugout at least once so uh, i'm ho- i'm hoping maybe we get a little bit more emotionally invested tony it should stuff happen like that again against stanford but otherwise i i, I think he did everything that he could in that game i don't th- i don't think he made any wrong pitching decisions necessarily maybe left andrew Lindsay in just a little bit too long but otherwise uh, that, that's so that's so hindsight is 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 50 50 right yeah, uh, 20, I guess 20, 20, 20. That means you have really good eyesight, right? If it's 50, I mean, 50, 50, 50 is also a, a coin flip. So, <laughs> you know, could have yeah. left him in, could have pulled him out. We'll never, we'll never know what the right decision was. Well, it's, it's funny for me as growing up a Virginia fan with Brian O'Connor, who almost never, you know, he, he, he will argue with umpires, but he will never like run out of the dugout screaming. He'll, he'll walk up like a disappointed dad and, you know, start talking. And then going to NC State and seeing Elliot Avent, 
who's a lot more like Tony Vitello, the more animated charge out of the dugout type of guy. I've experienced both sides of that spectrum. And yeah, I just, I don't, I don't know. Like maybe, maybe he was just thinking, Oh, I'm, this is the college world series. I'm on, I'm on ESPN. Like, I don't, you know, I don't want to do this too early, but I, I, I think that's an element of, uh, of Tennessee baseball. That's going to be necessary uh, to, to go forward in this tournament when they're, with their backs against the wall, you know, just have that edge about them that they're used that they they're used to riding. You know, like you know, last year's team, even though they didn't get to Omaha, was very much like had that chip on their shoulder. And I, I think that's that's a big reason why Tennessee fans have gotten so into Tennessee baseball in, in the last couple of years. Yeah, I mean that Tony Vitello and and his teams have in, in large part been very representative of All Nation. All Nation is uh, a very uh, loving family, but if you're against us, you are 100% the enemy and we are going to be abrasive. We are going to be aggressive uh, and we're not going to pull any punches. That, at least that's what Tennessee has been historically uh, with, with Tony Vitello. That this, this team, a little bit different, a little bit different makeup, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. It's worked. It's got us here. Um, they're, they're, they're certainly not you know, flipping off the center field or all rounding second base. Uh, you know, there, there's no 42 second, uh, you know, bat flips for the right, right stake grand slam that, that there's not that type of energy necessarily, but, um, that's not a, that, that's not a good or a bad thing. It's just a, a different identity. Um, and may, may, maybe that is why Tony Vitello has altered his, uh, you know, game day antics a little bit differently. I mean, this time last year, he was getting he got ejected for for chest bumping Jeff Messias for just absolutely one of the worst officiated games I have ever seen. Um, he got chest bumped and and thrown out. Tony got suspended and fined. Um, so may, maybe there's an element. I saw someone say he he's just he doesn't want to get suspended for the remaining games. And okay, sure, but um, we only get remaining game. You realize. Uh, so hopefully there's remaining games. I, I, I want to see a little bit more fire though. That's, that's mostly what I'm saying. Um, but I just don't know if there's anything that can beat the Peyton curse. You guys, you guys <laughs> got that. You guys got the, the brunt of that on, uh, on Friday, Friday night, we got the brunt of it last night. Um, so, some things are bigger than sports and the Peyton Manning curse might be one of them. <laughs> those, those Florida fans, Florida fans probably got their eyes real wide when they saw Peyton on the screen, uh, ostensibly rooting for Virginia because his wife went there uh, on Friday night. I saw that too. And I was like, Oh no, Oh no. Oh no. Yeah. <laughs> hey, that's, I, they just did. They just did it for us. I mean, you know, in his defense, he wasn't wearing anything Virginia. So maybe he thought he was in the clear with, with Marshall wearing <laughs> the Virginia gear. Um, but uh, Dude, especially against Florida, I wouldn't want Peyton anywhere near my stadium uh, if Florida's in the house. Uh, but that, it's appropriate. Is... But it's appropriate that he's in Omaha, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> you, you should go check out. They did it two years ago, and they did it this year. Tony Vitello and Peyton Manning did kind of like one of those, you know, throw it on social media, sixty-second type of clips where. <laughs> Uh, Peyton puts on his Broncos helmet and gets into like a shotgun snap and right where you know he's going to say Omaha they just put Omaha on the screen Um, (laughs) fantastically well done I love Uh, that it's like those simple stupid things that make a ton of sense I I just I love when that comes together that that that's that's where it pays off I mean it pays off in a lot of ways having Peyton Manning uh, be an alumni but 
Um, j- just just having him and his his comedic gold, his, you know, just his demeanor. Uh, He's one it, of those guys. Social media dream. He's one of those guys that's funny without even trying to be funny. Like he's just, he's just there and he's just yeah. being Peyton Manning, but he's just naturally hilarious without, yeah. without even making an effort. I mean, it's why the Manning cast is so successful. That, yeah. that, and that, and Eli Manning, Eli Manning is sneaky funny too, as everyone has found out um, from the Manning cast. And when uh, they have yeah. like Snoop Dogg on as a guest, that's top notch. Yeah. Keep, keep the Snoop Dogg's <laughs> coming. Leave, leave the politicians and random comedians that no one's heard of off of there like you you don't have to have a guest every quarter i i I am actually believe it or not watching to listen to you talk yeah i think i think a lot of people who watch that are listening specifically because they want to hear two quarterbacks who have won two super bowls a piece talk about the game instead of steve levy or i guess it's joe buck and troy aikman now but i i I love to see i love to see the the snoop dogs and the the marshawn lynch's just because it's such a you're watching the Eli Manning's, you know, just Eli and Peyton Manning, wider than the driven snow guys talking with Marshawn Lynch and Snoop Dogg. And that they have Eli Manning wearing Snoop Dogg's chain. And uh, <laughs> there is just something so like wholesome about it in a way, but it's, it's hilarious. I don't need to watch you talk to Condoleezza Rice. I'm sorry. It's a potpourri. It's what it is. It's a potpourri of just of of people <laughs> just just people from the sports and entertainment world and if you're really lucky you'll get eli giving the double middle fingers the the, the best i mean the best moment in that show's history in my opinion uh it, it's just it's just, it's just two dudes talking sports um I, I i love it i don't know how we got to the manning cast but i'm glad we did the manning curse the manning cast it, it all kind of runs together uh I, I i can't wait till the right hash is featured on the Manning cast one day. <laughs> one day, one day. <laughs> well, well, well we have them. <laughs> we have to make sure that our internet connection is spotty so that, you know, it's kind of in and out like all the other guests that they have on there who apparently <laughs> do not know their internet speeds or their provider or anything. It's like, I don't even live in this house. Why are you calling me here? <laughs> One day, as I said. Uh, Well, Virginia and TCU, 2 o'clock today. Uh, The loser of that game goes home. Stanford and Tennessee tomorrow, uh, 2 o'clock. Loser of that game goes home. And then then just still a lot more baseball coming up this week from Omaha. So uh, check out our social media. We'll probably be making jokes as the the tournament goes along. Um, and, And, of course, this is a good time for me to plug our latest episode of The Right Hosh with Robert Jordan. Uh, that came out last week and that, that was a lot of fun of course it was more fun for Alex because he had to talk about Manchester City winning uh, winning the title but I always always fun when we get to talk soccer with Rob so give that a, a look on our social media or our Spotify page um, and you'll just be thoroughly thoroughly entertained by uh, by the, the blokes they're talking about soccer but switching gears now to basketball uh, the, the the Denver Nuggets won the NBA finals four to one over the Miami Heat uh, that, that was I don't really have many thoughts over here other than kind of the right team with the best player one. I'm a big Jokic fan. I like watching him play. But my favorite part about Jokic was just the fact that he just wanted to go home after winning the trophy. He's just like, I just want to go home and chill and hang out with my horses. And then I'll be back when the season starts to play basketball again. That that's that's that to me was very much like, especially in the wake of a pandemic was like, all right, I, I see what this is, this guy is about. Like he's not here to be all over the billboards and all, all on social media and 
uh, be like the the kind of superstar that everyone thinks you're supposed to be in the NBA today. This man just wants to win basketball games and go home and be himself. And I just, I really admire that, but I also admire that he showed up to the parade, even though he said he didn't want to, because that that's, that's a big commitment, especially for somebody playing in a different country from where his home is. Yeah, he's one of those guys that's talented at something that he just sees as a job. And I, I, I don't say that, uh, you know, to, to discredit him or to, or to talk down about him. I, I think it's admirable. Um, you know, there's a lot of guys who are, are in professional sports, I think, that um, it's maybe not their first love. They just happen to be really, really good at it. They happen to be really good athletes. They happen to understand the game. Um, but not, none of them are like Jokic, uh, you know, two-time MVP should have been the MVP this year. I don't know what the hell these po- people were thinking, giving it to Embiid. Um, y- y- Jokic has been the best player in basketball for the last three or four years. Um, he, he doesn't get a lot of airtime because he's, you know, is chunky is real honestly the dude is pretty unathletic it's amazing that he does what he does he's not cut you know he looks like he's probably the average american's body fat um that i think that's why i like him so much uh is he just looks like a normal dude and he is a normal dude this is just a job to him this is you know i think he loves basketball and he's really good at it but he didn't even know what to do with the champagne at at the, <laughs> at the celebration he he just like took the top off and started drinking it he didn't shake it up and spray it anywhere he's just like champagne good um <laughs> and i i don't know there's just something that there's something admirable about that there's you know something wholesome about that guy uh i'm a i'm a huge Jokic fan and it's nice that he's finally had a healthy denver nuggets team that i think could have won the last two NBA championships had they had Jamal Murray, Aaron Gordon, everyone healthy. And it's a mentality similar. I think that a lot of soccer players have, and I I think it's, I think the whole like big star social media, you know, be have your face everywhere type of athlete is not a uniquely American thing, but it's a primarily American thing. And we see a lot of these soccer players who are the same way. Of course you have your Ronaldo's who gets his face in the camera and yells Sue every chance he can, but you also have tons and tons of players who are literally there like it's their job. And then they go home to their kids and their families after the game. And it's, it's like, they're not a professional athlete at all. And it's, and then you see the type of athletic ability that they have when they play the game. And you're like, wow, this, this person is absolutely a professional athlete. And so that's, that's one of the things I just piggybacking off of soccer. One of the things I've always enjoyed about soccer is uh, these players really seem to play for the pleasure of it regardless of how much money they're making. And Nikola Jokic just strikes me as the same way. The, the best description I've heard of his game, it was a tweet a couple of weeks ago that said, it looks like Jokic plays basketball in flip-flops. And honestly, you can't unsee it after that, after that step back shot against the Lakers, I think was when somebody posted it. And that was just the best description I've ever heard because it's so true. Um, he's it's, it's, it's almost like a poor man's version of Dirk Nowitzki with that, that, that flopping step back jumper. But, uh, yeah, I, 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 think, <laughs> I think we, uh, I think, I think I would like to see more athletes with the, that mentality of, uh, of Nikola Jokic. I'm just, I'm just here to win, man. I'm not here to, I'm not here to put my face on everything. I'm, I'm just here to win ball games, uh, which, think, which go ahead. I, I was just gonna say, I think the soccer the f- football comparison is good. Um, 
and I, I think the similarity lies in there's a lot of those players who are playing away from home, um, especially the really good ones that, you know, hail from Brazil, Argentina that, you know, move on to, you know, the French league, the English premier league. Uh, well, what, what else do you really have there? You know, you, you're there. It, it's a job. You're, you're there to obviously compete and win, but, you wouldn't be there if, it, if they weren't paying you anything. Um, you, you wouldn't be there for the publicity. You're there, you're there because they're, they're paying you a lot of money to go play for their team, which is fine. That's what everyone gets, get, gets paid to do in the Premier League and in the big five leagues. Uh, but I, that, that guy misses home. He hasn't been home in like eight months. And especially considering the way things were with COVID, I can't imagine he's been home a lot the last three or four years. Uh, so I, I completely uh, – I, I thought it was a great reaction when they told him when the parade was and he's like, Oh, I can't go home yet. Um, you know, I, I, I felt for him, but I, he, he's going to wipe his tears with more Benjamins than I've ever seen. So, uh, <laughs> I can only feel so bad for him. Yeah. I don't think Serbia is an EU member, so it won't be euros, but, uh, but uh, whatever, whatever he, he decides to, to get paid in and, and then go, I, I, I personally, I wish I knew how to ride horses too. That, that stuff looks super fun. So, you know, he's probably, he's probably like playing cowboy right now. Just, just like, just riding, I riding s- in Serbia. It's, I think it's like four o'clock in the afternoon right now. He's probably having a nice Sunday afternoon ride just with, with oh, his horse. I want to see the horse that he rides. Seriously. That thing, that thing has to be sagging in the middle, man. And I, I, I'm <laughs> a fat guy that, that that's, that's not a fat shot, but I mean, this guy looks like someone who could ride a horse with his feet still touching the ground. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, the almost the opposite of Nikola Jokic's attitude has been that of Brad Beal uh, in Washington. Signed a big contract with uh, with the Wizards last season, and now they're looking to trade him. He's got a no trade clause, but from what I've heard, Miami, the aforementioned Heat, losers of the finals, and also the Phoenix Suns are potential landing destinations for Bradley Beal, who again has a no trade clause would have to waive it if the wizards were to trade him. But this, I can tell you as a wizards fan and Armand Kuchecki will probably tell you this even louder, even though he's probably a bigger Beal fan than I am. We've been waiting for this. It's almost like he's that, that weight that's been the, the ball and chain around our leg uh, for the last few seasons. And wizards fans and our front office have known that we're not going to be able to rebuild and blow things up until we're able to move Bradley Beal. And it looks like that's a possibility. Uh, you know, nothing's official yet. A lot of talk, you know, hopefully a Woj bomb drops later today after this show, but this would be the very first step in the wizards finally turning the wheels and moving out of that perpetual six to 10 range in the East where you don't really help yourself by making the playoffs and you can't really help yourself in the draft. So th- this is something that's been a long time coming. And uh, I, just, I just really hope the deal gets done. A, a Suns fan friend of mine sent me a link last night, uh, linking a potential trade that may happen. Um, I forgot about the players, but Tyler Harrow is a guy that from Miami who has been linked to, to the Wizards. Uh, you know, I could be your hero, baby. I'd love to have him in Washington. But it's just, just that first step. We can't really make any strides as a, as a franchise until we get rid of this albatross around our neck. Yeah, it's it's interesting because he's, I mean, we've seen what he is when he doesn't get hurt, and he's been, I mean, you can make an argument he's been the best, you know, two guard in the NBA for the last couple of years. It just gets completely 
you know, washed over because he, he plays on a Wizards team that's not a, a threat even in the lowly Eastern Conference. Um, he, he keeps saying he wants to, to win, but then he keeps re-signing with Washington. And I'm not taking a, a dig at the Wizards, but they're, they're not a chance to win, at least, I mean, since I've been alive, really, or, or paying attention to basketball since the early 2000s. I've never really uh, – seen them as a threat to to win um they, it was nice when they had brad beal john wall that was a good little core but neither one of them could stay healthy and that was just kind of the issue now now he can stay healthy but he cost 46 million dollars a, a year uh you know until 2026 you're gonna get a lot out of him and it's the right move to to move on from him um it's just gonna it's gonna be weird not seeing him in a wizard's uniform um not, not that I saw it a whole lot because they're not on TV that much. And, you know, sometimes hard to track down with blackouts in our area, but um, the heat and Suns are two teams that I've seen as well for, for me. Hit hero is a non-negotiable. He must be in the deal. If I'm giving up Beal um, hero and, and multiple first round picks would be my minimum. And for the Suns, I, I don't want Landry Shamit. I don't want Chris Paul. You better give me DeAndre Ayton and, you know, some somebody for cap space or something like that with picks. Um, I, you're not getting Beal cheap, and I, I want somebody who I can build around. I have to get a star in return if you if you want arguably the best shooting guard in the NBA. Uh, and that I, I I don't think Washington should settle for anything less because. I think there's potential they could be decent this year with Beal. We, we saw flashes of it last year with, uh, um, you know, just some of the players playing well. Uh, it'd have been nice if they didn't get rid of Roy Hachimura as we saw him go down the stretch with the Lakers and just absolutely uh, start tear, tear a new one in a couple of teams. They gave Still up on him way too it. quickly. <laughs> but you know what? 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 What can you do? Some sometimes it just it happens from under your nose, but. Um, is there anyone in particular? I, I know you mentioned Tyler Hero. Is there anyone in particular that you know? I'm not trading Brad Beal to this team without getting this player type of type of deal. Well, you touched on it with DeAndre Ayton, but I, I want a big man, one of these big, tall forwards, six eleven, seven feet that you can step outside and hit three pointers like like Nikola Jokic. That's that's the type of player that's starting to dominate the game, and that's the type of player that the Wizards have not had on their roster basically since that became the case. You know, the, the, they drafted Jan Vesely back like 12, 10 years ago, and he, he was a bust. And I want, I just want that kind of player. DeAndre Ayton, he's not really a guy who can step out and shoot the jumper, but he's a, a, a primary big man. He's got you know, a starting big man that's a dominant presence under the basket. That's the kind of player I want. So DeAndre Ayton would probably be, given the teams that are in the, in the running for Brad Beal, DeAndre Ayton would be the number one guy um, I, I can't imagine that the uh, the Heat would get rid of Bam Adebayo, but that would be the, the ultimate pipe dream if there was a blockbuster trade uh, between those two teams. But but that that archetype of a player, yeah, the the lighthouses I call them, kind of the Kyle Filipkowski type. Yeah, and even even more important when you consider um, Porzingis has a player option. You don't, I I haven't seen anywhere what he's doing uh, with his option for twenty twenty three. He can go become a free agent or he can take what, what the current contract is with Washington for the last year of his deal. Um, but if you lose Kristaps Porzingis, then I, I, you almost can't make a trade with the Heat 
because I, I think you'd be too guard heavy. And what we saw that catch the Warriors uh, that they just they didn't have a big man, uh, you know, to to do some dirty work, and it cost them. And their team is a lot better than the Wizards team. Um, so I I think you got to get a big man or the assets to obtain the big man from this trade, whether it be draft picks, whether it be, uh, you know, uh, maybe a three-way type of trade uh, to, to go get, I, I don't know, like a PJ Washington or something like that from Charlotte, just to, j- just to fill the, the four or five slot for you down low. It's you trade Beal. It's not going to be, you're not going to, I don't think be in contention immediately um, unless maybe you get an Aiton and can, uh, keep Porzingis and maybe draw another free agent there. Um, but, you know, it's that th- this, this signals the, the quote unquote rebuild, just if they rebuild now, I think they're ahead of where previous rebuilds have been. Um, maybe. Uh, I, I don't know. The, the, the roster is just kind of weird, man. It, it was okay down the stretch, but it's just kind of, kind of weird it's just never made sense to me it's just it's the pieces haven't really fit together it just just seems kind of like a, a lot of guys who have some chemistry but not real real team chemistry and that, that's that's I think that goes back to having a superstar on the roster you know it's just it's it's that dynamic of it. it's kind of similar to the Lakers having LeBron on on the roster and it's it's hard to build team chemistry with just anybody around a superstar like Bradley Beal yeah, it, it, it's it, it's like building around Clay Thompson. You, you know the player is good, but he he's a player that really needs a Batman. He 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 needs to be Robin. If if he's your Batman, you have problems. That yeah, it's it's absolutely nothing against Bradley Beal because he's a phenomenal player. But that that there's a, there's a reason they're called two guards that they're not number one they're not they shouldn't be primary ball handler he can do it he's proven that he can do it but he's more efficient when he he's he's the second guy he can sit in a corner he can be cj mccollum he can be chris middleton both of those guys can can take the ball to the rim uh both of those guys can ball handle but you, you you saw when chris middleton had to become the primary ball handler for the bucks they they got knocked out with Giannis Antetokounmpo on the, on the team, it's just, it's inefficient. Um, so Brad Beal is going to land somewhere that has a number one, uh, ha, you know, has a point guard, has another, has another threat to handle the ball. Um, it's not like Porzingis can bring the ball down the court. You're paying him $33 million. He can't bring the ball down the court. Kyle Kuzma can't bring the ball down the court. Uh, he's going to trip over whatever ridiculous robe he's wearing to the fucking stadium that day. Uh, <laughs> that, that there's, there's just, you know, I look at all these guards, Johnny Davis, Xavier Cooks, Jordan Goodwin, Quentin Jackson, Monte, Monte Morris is about the only one on this roster that I, I, I could say, okay, yeah, there, there you go. Kendrick Nunn, maybe, but um, n- none of these guys inspire confidence if they're your primary ball handler. Uh, so got to get a big man got to get a ball handler uh, that's a rebuild yeah it goes back to his days at florida i think he was only there for one year but the year he was there they played virginia in the ncaa tournament and florida had a phenomenal point guard named irving walker who ran the show and they had a big man named patrick young who who was down down low inside and bradley beal was like 
he was what you'd think of as a role player on that team, but he was still one of the best players because he had Irving Walker with him because he had Patrick Young with him. So that that's, that's something I've been noticing about Bradley Beal for, you know, for 10 years now, ever since he was in college. I, I think that was, that was a really, a really good point there. And I just, I just don't know who those players are yet. That'll kind of unlock that, unlock that next step for the wizards. I, I do like Denny Avdia though. I think that's a really, really good player um, to, once, once Bradley Bill's out of there, I think that's maybe the guy you build around. Um, you know, he was the, one of the, their top picks uh, two years ago, last year, yeah, last year, two years ago, um, you know, relatively new, has shown flashes, obviously has more to get better at, but um, I, 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 I love the type of player that he is. And he's another guy that would benefit greatly from a, you know, uh, all-star-ish caliber point guard. Um, you know, if you do de- do a deal with the Miami Heat, Kyle Lowry wouldn't be a bad shout. He 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 gets a lot of you know uh, s- sideways glances when you mention Kyle Lowry. He he's he's had somewhat of a, a trepidatious career, um, just in terms of some folks think think he's really bad and just playing with good players, but uh, he's been really consistent. So. Kyle Lowry wouldn't be a bad shout. I tell you one thing. I wouldn't want Chris Paul, though. No disrespect to Chris Paul, but um, he's gonna, he's done in the NBA in the next couple of years, and it would yeah, feel like a waste. It would feel someone, like a waste someone, to build not around someone who you Not someone who you sign with the intent of, all right, we're going to rebuild around this dude. <laughs> you know, I was surprised the Magic aren't in this thing because that they have an overload of, of ball-handling guards um, and – a humongous need for a number two uh honestly maybe even with excess at 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 the you know at the five position with bowl bowl not really getting to play a whole lot because of franz (laughs) wagner uh also one of my favorite names uh (laughs) but i I don't know it kind of seems like they have excess reasonable players at the positions that the wizards would want um get get on the horn Get on the horn, Luke. Send send some text messages. Tell them to start talking with Orlando. See if something spam can them. Happen there. Spam them with this show. Just tell them to listen to this show. I mean, this There's, this is this is where we give all our sage advice to those front offices true. that we follow. True. It, exactly. I don't know why more people aren't listening to this. We, we have, the, <laughs> as JC thought he had, we actually have the blueprint. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah, this this does happen a lot more often in the NBA too. These three way trades, you don't really see that a whole lot in the NFL or or MLB. I mean, it does happen very occasionally, but NBA is where when you talk three way trades, like those are things that actually do happen uh, fairly frequently. So who knows? There could be a third team that that pops up in in this this uh, this sweepstakes. I guess I'll call I'll call it a sweepstakes. Well, why why not uh, for, for one of the best shooting guards in, in the NBA? I've just seen a uh, Sports Illustrated article posted 35 minutes ago uh, about the Orlando Magic potentially trading for Bradley Beal. So there you go. You heard it here first. I read it there a second. Trust me. (laughs) Well, from the NHL or from the NBA to the NHL, not not a whole lot here. Just wanted to mention since the last time we talked, uh, the Vegas Golden Knights winning the Stanley Cup finals over the Florida Panthers. And I, I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't watch a single game. I, I watched one game, I should say. I watched one game because my dad had it on when I was at home. Uh, but I didn't I didn't really pay attention. Uh, I, all I have here is basically congrats to Vegas and screw you guys for getting a title so quickly after you were an expansion team. 
uh, four seasons, I think the record is the Arizona Diamondbacks. I think in their no, the Diamondbacks won in their fourth season as well. So maybe this, this was the this, fifth season for the Knights. Th- this was the fifth season. Okay. It's the second second fastest ever in the NHL behind the Oilers. Oh, the Oilers. Okay, so that's just in the NHL. Um, and I know the Diamondbacks did it in year four <clears throat> over the Yankees in the World Series. So, I mean, congrats to Jonathan Marchess, though, man. He's 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 a guy who, if if you want to put it this way, he's been there since the beginning for for the Golden Knights, and uh, he he's he's one of the more recognizable names and getting getting the uh, the finals Stanley Cup Finals MVP. Um, but it's just really it's, interesting it's, career tr- tr- path for him too. Yeah. Yeah, these he, I remember the expansion. Yeah, undrafted and the expansion draft. It, the Vegas came up with some pretty good players in that expansion draft. I, I remember some of the some of the other teams kind of complaining about like how talented their roster was, and lo and behold, they went to the the finals in their first year, where they lost to the Washington Capitals, baby, who have not won a playoff series since that day. But it, it, it's it's just it's. I wonder if this is going to be a thing with, you know, the Seattle Kraken made the playoffs in their second year of existence. Yeah. You know, how far off are they from, from playing for a Stanley cup final? It's just going to be interesting to see. Yeah. Um, I, I, I understand why they do what they do. They, they don't want the new team to come in and just suck. They don't want the coyotes to happen again. Um, so I, I get it. Uh, I, I think they're afforded. I think this expansion teams are afforded a little bit too much of a leg up um, considering they're also all, you know, getting a lot of funding. Uh, They're going to be a a decent draw for free agents to go play in a new team. Um, I'm not totally against expansion and, and the expansion draft, Um, but it it does just kind of start, franchises on easy mode a little bit um because the other teams have already done all the scouting they've already done all the hard part of identifying the good players and you only get to protect up to 10 of them depending on which you know which protection format you go with as a team uh i would say there there's a lot of nhl teams that have way more than 10 decent players i mean you're talking four offensive lines three defensive lines two goalies and then bench players all those guys pretty much at nhl level if you get to take the 10th best player from every single team or draft picks in lieu of that uh you i mean you're starting at the top that that they got they got you know mark stone from uh from the predators after that that cup run that they made um i of course, that that that's up to the Preds, but um, I don't know. It just if it, it just feels kind of weird. It, it feels like they're just being handed the keys to the kingdom for being new. Uh, when I, I think they should be handed um, a lot more draft picks and give them like seven or eight players that they can go use, uh, you know, protected picks on. Have everyone still submit the same list? You shouldn't be able to select someone off of every single team. That doesn't, it just doesn't seem right. Get, give them a couple of those. Say, here's your eight picks off of the, the, the rosters that everyone has deemed pickable that they're not saving, that they're not protecting. Uh, and here's the rest as compensatory draft picks. Here's, you know, 
two of the top 10 picks this year and next year. Here's two extra second round picks this year and next year. Uh, and let, let them actually earn that instead of just handing them players across the board. I don't know. It, me thinking out loud and something I've been trying to figure out for the last couple of years, because I, I like the new teams to be relevant. That That's good for the sport. Hockey needs a lot of help with its marketing. Uh, as Dana White called out this week, they have nothing but old fucks in there that don't know what they're doing. Um, <laughs> well, that's true. <laughs> it, it's, it's very true. They don't know how to market the sport. So being good helps, but it, it's coming at the detriment of, of teams who have invested a lot of money in the scouting and development. And these, these, you know, organizations, these new teams get to come in and just swipe off the top of guys who maybe are just not quite ready yet uh, and have the luxury of not having any pressure to win right now. So um, I, I think a little bit of a change is necessary personally. It's the part of sports that people don't see unless they've been involved in it, right? Scouting. Uh, you know, watching film, that, that kind of stuff, you know, like, right, you know, strengths and weaknesses, you know, putting those all into, into, you know, into readable paper form or online form for players to use and coaches to use. And you're right. Like that doesn't, some, they get that basically for free when they draft a, a player off a team's roster. And it, 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 it doesn't seem totally, totally fair, but I also think the NHL is very invested in whether Vegas as a market can be viable and if the team is winning, it's obviously going to be more viable because, you, you know, you got people from all over the country who vacation there and are going to go see their team play. And it looks like the, the Vegas market has really embraced the Knights and professional sports as a whole, too, um, with, you know, really nice facilities. Uh, I should expect nothing less in Las Vegas, but it, it seems like the Raiders have, have cultivated a nice fan base there and the, the, the Knights have as well. So I, I think I think the, the league has to be happy with with how the, the sport and the team are catching on in, in a market where it's like a hundred degrees all the time. You know, they, 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 I think there was a little bit more uh, kind of heavy handedness from the league to ensure that Vegas, the market has a successful hockey team as opposed to other markets, just because of, of what city it is. Vegas, AKA Northwest Oakland as the <laughs> athletics prepare their move there as well. Um or sorry, Northeast Oakland, not Northwest. That would be literally in the ocean. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's, I, I, I don't, I don't hate it. I, I love the idea of expansion. The Kraken and the, the Golden Knights have, have made the sport interesting and, and modernized it a little bit. I, I just think we need to balance the, the, the expansion draft a little yeah, bit. Like agreed. It, 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 it works. It's cool. Obviously, that those two teams are immediately playoff ready. Um, it helps that Vegas and Seattle hired extremely well. Um, everyone that the Kraken hired, it feels like I knew. You know, they bring in Ronnie Franchise, Ron, Ron Francis. Um, they even steal John Forslund, the play-by-play guy who's a, a legend here. Still um, angry about that, by the way. Still angry. I don't get to hear him on TV anymore. Yeah, for the, for, uh, for the Hurricanes. Yeah, I mean, he was just one of the all-time greats. Uh, and, you know, Vegas hired very well, uh, a, a good head coach, really good management. They did it better than a lot of teams that had an opportunity to do it already. So I, I, I'm not going to slight those teams for, for doing exactly what they've been allowed to do. <laughs> They're doing everything right. Uh, you just need to balance it a little bit. Now that we've had a couple uh, of teams join and – no, no doubt uh, the NHL will probably add, 
I would say two more teams in the next decade or so um, as, as the game grows. Just need to balance it a little bit. Just a little bit. A little yeah. tweak would, would do well. Yeah, I think uh, I think Kansas City would be a great place for a team. They've got a facility already, really nice facility in uh, the the T-Mobile Arena or T-Mobile Center, I believe it's called. And I yeah, that, that that would be the top the top spot for me. I know Houston's been mentioned, Quebec City has been mentioned, Atlanta has also been mentioned. So I, I definitely think the NHL is on the verge of of adding more teams, which which we'll we'll see how they how they how they do this. Maybe they listen to this show too, and they're like, oh, those guys have a great idea to scale back the expansion draft and just have them more, give them more picks in the entry draft. That, that sounds like a fantastic idea. Luke and Alex should be in charge of the NHL. Yeah. I, first off, absolutely. We would do a much better job than Gary Bettman. Um, but uh, I would love to see an Atlanta team there now that the, uh, th- there was just always a weird thing there with, with the, you know, Turner sports and, you know, how all that stuff worked out with, with, Atlanta having the thrashers not once but twice um I say bring in a brand new squad don't call them the thrashers call them something else be something different um the 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 way that Atlanta has taken to um the 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 football club Atlanta FC I I think shows that it's it's more primed to accept hockey but you, you, you have you have to put your your wallet behind it you, you have to try to be a good team you can't just have evander kane be your best player and be okay with that as good as as good as he was he he can't be your best player and you just be okay with that um wherever the new hockey teams are they need to be somewhere that is ready to pour money into it because that's what it's going to take uh to to bring in a new market of people uh i think southern hockey is a real thing uh what we've seen it be big with both the hurricanes the predators and florida panthers tampa bay lightning um it's a thing a houston team would be really cool there's plenty of room in texas for some more hockey i think um and of course quebec city i mean (laughs) you can always use another canadian team right so that there's tons of places to do it there's tons of places that make sense to do it um which means the nhl is probably going to do it eventually also yeah. NHL draft coming up uh next week um uh June 28th also meant to mention uh in the NBA se- section we have the NBA draft this week um on the 22nd Thursday night so um I know a lot of people will be tuning in to see Victor go to San Antonio but um uh, uh, another another small section of our calendar that we are now back into draft season yeah, you might you might have noticed we, we took a little, little bit of a break here. That was mostly just so we could watch sports like regular people. But you know, now now we're back into the 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 part of the year really where like you've got the you mentioned the drafts and rosters are going to look a little bit different. There's going to be a lot of optimism in some places that might not necessarily be warranted. Golf, <laughs> golf, the Washington Wizards. Um, but you know, we're we're getting you know, we're on the precipice of like we're getting back into the, you just said it. You said it last week to me, you already ordered your Phil Steele. So we're, we're almost back into that, like that sweet spot of, of the year where the right hash really starts to launch. Yeah. Right. Right after the, the NHL and NBA finals uh, is always kind of a, you know, a, a, a charger batteries, like, like just June, June in general is like the charger batteries month for me for sports because July Major League Baseball starts to pick up just a little bit. Those, those games start to mean just a little bit more. Uh, we get, you know, OTAs and mini camps opening up. Uh, you know, 
summer summer practices are going to start popping up uh, across college football and, and the other sports. Um, if you follow, you know, women's or men's college basketball, you might have a team that's doing some sort of, you know, international team trip. Like right, right now, the Lady Vols are uh, between Greece and Italy, and they're playing free games abroad, uh, you know, just ha- having some fun playing some of the local all-star teams. Uh, Tennessee's going, the men's team is going to Italy soon, and they have three games lined up. Um, so it's it's that time where it's kind of like, it's appetizer season. It's, it, it's the salad that comes before the, the, the meal. This is, this is to indicate that sports are on the way. Stay right here. Here's something to tide you over. And it's, it's a really, really good time in sports because you don't have to schedule your whole day around watching a game at night, but you still get the, the flexibility of having something to watch if you want it. Yeah, I mean, tomorrow's, you know, tomorrow's a federal holiday, so a lot of people will be off work. But on a weekday, you're going to have Tennessee and Stanford playing baseball in the College World Series at yep. 2 in the afternoon on a Monday. Like, you don't get that most of the year. So, so this is a, a unique time in sports. You know, I'm, I'm a big tennis fan, too. So we've got Wimbledon coming up. I'm not going to bore people with uh, talking about tennis here on the right hash. But, uh, but one of my favorite sporting events of the year, I've, I've had the privilege of seeing it in person uh, in 2015. So that, that was, that was really awesome. Of course, it's, it's not the same without, without uh, my man, Roger there, but I'll always, I always catch as much of that as I can. And, and like you said, the mini camps are ramping up. A lot of teams had their, their mini camp, their first official uh, team activities these last couple of weeks, at least for Washington's part, it was, it was pretty boring, uh, which is good, which I'm happy about. You know, I just get the guys on the field a little bit. Uh, you know, Sam Howell gets his first chance this season to run with the first team offense. And, uh, you know, it, there's a lot of hype that gets posted on social media that I don't really buy into. It's like, oh, check out this throw by Sam Howell. It's like, okay, I don't really care about that. I just like that it's all happening and we're, you know, we're getting closer to that time of year. And I, I don't know what happened down in Jacksonville if it was just as boring as it was in Washington, but it's it's like, you know, we're, we're less than three months from from the season. Uh, it's it's going to be, it's going to be here before we know it. And these, these first, OTAs after the rookie the rookie mini camps are, are where it starts to hit home for me yeah man like you said not much in Jacksonville getting to see a little bit of our first glimpses of Calvin Ridley which has been nice and um you know I I guess some some update to the uh Josh Allen yes there's another Josh Allen the Josh Allen saga in Jacksonville as to whether or not we can get him a new deal uh you know he, he's been very vocal that he he did not play uh, as consistently as he needed to last year. But other than that, not much going on. Uh, I think myself and the rest of the AFC South are keeping tabs on this DeAndre Hopkins stuff uh, as it's, it seems at least uh, getting warmer for him to potentially join the, the Titans. Um, you know, he's visiting the Patriots. I don't, I don't know if he has a timetable on stuff, but I'm keeping an eye on that. And, I mean, really, the only other big news I can think of is the Vikings uh, releasing Dalvin Cook. Uh, he is now a free agent, looking around. Um, but y- you have a you have a free agent running back that uh, you guys have been somewhat linked to, and it makes a little bit of sense. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? If I can take myself off mute, there we go. Uh, yeah, Dalvin Cook was a guy I had I had visions of visions of Dalvin Cook dancing in my head, but going to be too expensive, of course, uh, for Washington uh, and other other priorities take prior you know take take precedence with the expenses. But 
Kareem Hunt, the the second in command in the backfield in Cleveland, uh, currently a free agent, is drawing interest from Washington. Uh, and it makes sense, right, because Eric Bieniemy is now the offensive coordinator. They work together in Kansas City. But I just I was just thinking you know, we're going to have to replace J.D. McKissick, who was a stud as our third down back after the, uh, the last couple of seasons before his neck injury. And then I haven't really watched a lot of film on when the situations Kareem Hunt was used in, in Cleveland and Kansas city. But to me in this offense, he seems like he could be an ideal change of pace third down back uh, because you're going to have Brian Robinson and he, you know, Antonio Gibson. I, I'm not really sure yet how we're going to use Antonio Gibson or what his future looks like in Washington, but he's going to command a lot of money in the free agent market. I think regardless of how he performs this year, because somebody's going to want to overpay for him for his versatility. So I think a low risk, high reward type guy like Kareem Hunt, who has a bit of behavior issues. I, I'm, I, I'm not, I'm not lost on that, but you know, he seems like, he seems like the kind of guy who learned his lesson, did his time. I, I don't know if he did any, any time, but, or got suspended, but you know, he, he kind of, <laughs> they just like made him play. They just made him live in Cleveland. That yeah. was his time. <laughs> they, uh, they, but regardless, it seems like he's kind of moved on from that. I, I, I might sound really stupid if he gets in trouble again, but I'm willing to give him a shot off of that. If he, you know, a, kind of a prove it deal, right? Like a one-year deal, you know, this is what you're getting, you know, this is how we're going to use you. And I just, I just think having him as a change of pace, behind Antonio Gibson and Brian Robinson. Robinson will be the, the feature back again, I believe. But uh, you know, sliding him, in, sliding Antonio Gibson out into the slot and then bringing on Kareem Hunt and Brian Robinson in the backfield, that, that's, that's an offense full of possibilities to me. And, and you've got a guy with a relationship in Eric Bieniemy who knows how to use him, a guy that Kareem Hunt is comfortable playing for. I think that's a huge thing. If, if, if Eric Bieniemy wasn't there, signing Kareem Hunt would be a much riskier move. But having a guy there, he can almost be like a mentor, you know, kind of a, a father figure type person on the coaching staff. That would be excellent, uh, almost as exciting as the the actual play on the field itself, because I, so much of being a star NFL athlete or a, a competent NFL athlete really is mental. And putting Kareem Hunt in a situation where one of his former coaches is, I think would just be great for the mental side of things. And that would translate onto the field. Yeah, I, I actually don't think you have anything to worry about. Um, he 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 did have his his issue, which you can't excuse. But uh, guy took accountability for it. I I remember listening to, uh, watching and listening to his you know kind of apology video that he went on ESPN, uh, and, and made. And I just remember thinking that that I just I, I never really hear sincerity from those types of things. And his was very sincere. His was, it wasn't read. It wasn't a, a prepared statement. He just got on there and just, you know, said, I, I, I fucked up. You can't fuck up in ways like that. Uh, that's, that's not who I am. Uh, not blaming anything, but I'm not going to do that again. And he, he's not done anything remotely like that, at least as far as I'm, as far as I'm aware of. Um, I, I also don't think he would be, a third down running back. I think he'd be the starting running back in Washington. Um, the only reason he hasn't been the starter in Cleveland is because he's been behind a top five back in the NFL of Nick Chubb. Um, and he's taken the ball out of Nick Chubb's hands a lot of times 
this is coming from someone who drafted a lot of Nick Chubb in fantasy last year. Uh, I remember all the times that Kareem Hunt took the ball out of Nick Chubb's hands uh, and maybe cost me a matchup here or there. Uh, so, I, like I told you, I, I didn't have I don't have a positive or a negative thing to say about it, but it's interesting because um, I feel like we always have these these dream scenarios or things where it just makes sense to, to line it back up. You know, it feels like the stars are aligning. And a lot of the times it just feels like the NFL has too much pride or doesn't want to do what the obvious thing is. And th those things that seem so obvious and smart never happen. Um, so I'm interested to see if this is something that does materialize uh, because the, the fit makes a lot of sense. Uh, Kareem Hunt certainly is going to want to be uh, a primary back somewhere. I'm sure he's tired of being as good as he is and, you know, mostly sitting in, in the shadows of, of Nick Chubb. Um, obviously had a really, really uh, good career in Kansas city with Eric B They just knew how to use him perfectly. I, I wonder if he's going to come and play with an experimental quarterback that I think that would be my biggest question uh, in terms of where his head is, I'm sure Washington will offer him mostly whatever market value is, and he he has the incentive to go there with the enemy. But that you know that there's just a couple of other questions around it that um, make it not an you know a, a windmill slam dunk type of thing. If you land him though, uh, an absolute immediate upgrade. No offense to Brian Robinson, but Brian Robinson's been around for a year and got shot in the leg. Um, he'd be an upgrade over Brian Robinson and Antonio Gibson, at least, in, at least in the short term guaranteed, uh, long term. I don't know. I, I like Brian Robinson a lot. I think he's going to be a really good back in this league. Um, but you would, you would have an embarrassment of riches in the backfield. That's for sure. I'm a big Antonio Gibson fan too. I just, he seems like a really great dude always gives his offer team. I just, I just don't see him fitting into the backfield. And the only way I see him staying on this team past this season is, if he switches and moves out to, to a receiver full time. Uh, so it, it's, it, I just, I have knowing having what we have slash might have at, at the running back position now with Robinson and maybe hunt. It just, it makes me annoyed that we tried to pigeonhole Antonio Gibson into that role for close to three seasons. To, to that point though, um, I would say one of the guys, my comparison for Antonio Gibson uh, would be closest to is Jarek McKinnon. And we saw what the, the Chiefs did with that um, this year. So it, it, would, it would also be a, a really quick litmus test of, <laughs> well, was this Andy Reid's offense or was this Eric Bieniemy's offense? Um, but uh, I, I think Eric Bieniemy, if he does a lot of the stuff like he did in Kansas City, uh, would be able to get the most out of Antonio Gibson that anyone has been able to get out of him. Um, and I think a lot of that would stem from – playing a more Debo Samuel, you know, Cordero Patterson type of role where this guy is a, a, a receiver, but we're also going to give him some direct handoffs. And um, even if you don't get Kareem Hunt, uh, I, I think he's good. He would utilize Antonio Gibson in a way that would keep both backs fresh. Um, and in today's NFL, having your starting running back still playing in week 17, week 18 is, is huge. Yeah, definitely agree. And there, there's there are going to be some tough decisions to make uh, down down the road here in a couple of years. You got Terry McLaurin under contract for two more seasons. Um, he's he's a guy that I I desperately want to see play his whole career in Washington. Uh, he's he's 
the the one of the top the top representatives of this organization that I've seen in in my life. It's it's just been a joy to have him there, and it's just I just, it, all these decisions are going to play into one another, right? Like you know, we we still have to find our tight end of the future. We we haven't done that yet, and we've got we've got a bunch of guys who we think it could be, but, but I don't really have a ton of confidence in and Armani Rogers tore his Achilles uh, a couple months ago, and he's not going to play this season, which, which really bums me out because he was a quarterback in college and he's a guy we could have used in those gadget plays. So, you know, Jahan Dotson, when the time comes to give him a second contract, are we going to be the team that gives it to him or is somebody else? So it's, it's, there's just going to be a lot of, a lot of tough decisions that this new ownership group is going to have to make fairly early on uh, in the, in their tenure with this team. I'll, all I can say is you better find or hope that Sam Howell becomes the quarterback of the future um, because you've just kind of been slapping Terry in the face with a, 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 a limp you-know-what, I would say, <laughs> for pretty much his entire career. Uh, <laughs> Taylor Heineke, Carson Wentz, uh, now really very unproven Sam Howell. Uh, j- hey, now, noodle arm, noodle arm Alex Smith. Put some respect. Hey, that- <laughs> I don't call it. He's noodle leg, Alex Smith. Not noodle arm. Um, oh, noodles. Oh, I guess noodles do snap if you haven't cooked them. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, and and they kind of bend when they're wet. So he's, he's got, got got both of the noodles going on there. But that that would be my priority, and it's probably the only thing that uh, I I could say negative towards this Washington offensive uh, construction is. <laughs> the the one position that matters the most, they just have not seemed hell bent on making sure they have that locked down with a solid <laughs> yeah. player. Boy, and true words were never spoken. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it'll change. I mean, I, I I hope you guys are right on Sam Howell. It'd be great to see him ball out, even though he is a tar hole. Um, it, it'd be cool for just to see that story of a guy who went fifth round and you know got it got his chance and 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 took advantage of it. He certainly looked good in his one game. Um, <laughs> I've seen that before, uh, but you know, we'll, we'll see that that's, that's what makes for intriguing uh, off season storylines and stuff like that. Yeah. And I'm just I, I, off season. I won't say it is, uh, it is almost as fun as the, the regular season. Cause we, we have way more fun when we have football to watch, but, but this is like I was saying a few minutes ago, this is kind of that launching pad for, for preseason talk. And I'm just, I'm, I'm really excited to get into that that preseason pro football, but also college football. This is more and more uh, a PSA for our listeners, but stay tuned. Cause in probably, probably a, a month or so, uh, give or take, we'll, we'll get into those college preseason lists. We'll be, uh, we'll be getting into our Phil steals and really, really, really our third football season of the right hash is, is right around the corner. And I just, I couldn't be more excited for it. Yeah, man. It doesn't seem like we're coming up on year three already. Um, Hopefully this is a Georgia national championship list year. Uh, <laughs> we've been two for two on those, which I'm not so happy about, but um, Tennessee's getting better since we've been doing this. So I, I'll take that. Yeah, I, I will say, I, I will say that the folks down in Athens are a little bit pessimistic as to whether they, they can three Pete. So t- take that for whatever you think it is. I, I don't know the Georgia community now, well enough to, to, to know if they're being serious or not, but it is, is, is that, is that reality or is that like Kirby telling the whole team that no one thought they could right, right, exactly. Like, no, you still have the best defense. You still have pretty much the same offense. What are you, what are you talking about? No one thinks you can win. <laughs> yeah. Every, everybody doubted the, the 15 and 0 Georgia Bulldogs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Everybody I mean, yeah. Uh, I've never doubted anyone more 
than the Bulldogs other than, you know, prime Tom Brady with the Patriots. Yeah, just just wait till Stetson Bennett slides into that starting job in LA with the Rams and then 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 he'll he'll prove everybody wrong and then he goes hot, and knocks on people's doors at 6 in the morning when he's drunk. Hot take, he is a perfect type of player to do just that. Hot, <laughs> hot take especially on on this show and with the fan base that I interact with but uh I don't know. It, it, you know how just some guys have it. They're not necessarily the most gifted, but they just they got something. Now, if he if he could got, just stay if he could stay without getting arrested, this would help. But um, I don't know. I I just have this gut feeling about Stetson Bennett, man. He just I, I I I don't know. He he just wins, and that that's that's what that's what matters. He didn't have the best offensive cast around him at Georgia. No, no matter what the recruiting rankings say, uh, a lot of those guys are defensive guys. Um, you know, he had some good tight ends, but his best receiver is Lad McConkey and won a national championship with it. I don't know. I just gut feeling tells me that him and Cooper Cup are going to be the thing. Uh, I don't <laughs> know. I don't know why. Um, but Cooper Cup is like <laughs> is like Super Saiyan Lad McConkey, and I just got I got to think that he's going to do well with him. I, I, w- I wouldn't be surprised if he actually, in the next two years, beats out Matthew Stafford. Not not just is handed the keys by default, beats out Matthew Stafford. He's quite literally, he's got that dog in him. Uh, he's, he's got that dog in him. <laughs> that's yeah, what I mean, you were trying to say. That's, the, that's ma- the term you were looking for. Well, I mean, but technically so does Matthew Stafford. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I, I, w- I was trying to stay away from that because that's, you know, that's the center of the Venn diagram of the two of them. Um, well, Stetson Bennett has two functioning elbows, so that that's he, he's got that advantage going for him, and and two functioning national championship trophies, which Matthew Stafford pissed away two opportunities to get uh, while <laughs> he was at Georgia. But um, they, they they did win big in that Sugar Bowl against Hawaii. Remember, dude, you, you can thank Tennessee for the reason they didn't play for that national title. That no Sean Moreno <laughs> team, no Sean Moreno. Uh, I believe AJ Green was on that squad too. Um, yeah, absolutely. He absolutely hellacious Georgia defense to not win. Uh, I mean, that they took out their frustrations on Hawaii. That's for damn sure. But uh, that's one of the better teams that I've ever watched that did not play for a national title. Um, yeah. Good, good, good job. Good job, Stafford. At, at, at least he has a Lombardi trophy. I bet that helps. I, I, it, it helps. I'm certain that it helps him sleep at night. I just, it's probably, it's, it's kind of, it's only the thing you're working towards at, as a, as a player in the NFL, it's, it's only the most important thing on your mind. Slightly. Sli- <laughs> the Super Bowl is kind of important. Kind of. <laughs> well, that's about all the time we've got here on this episode of the right hash. The who's are about to take batting practice in Omaha, probably. So I've, I've got, a, I've got some business on, on, on the television. Alex will have some can business I- tomorrow, but yeah. Any, any final, final words? Yeah. Can, can I, can I steal your thoughts for 10 more minutes? Yeah. Okay. Um, thir- Thursday, was it Thursday? Wednesday, Wednesday night. Um, the SEC did its 2024 schedule release um, with the introduction of Oklahoma and Texas. Um, and as as the season goes on, and certainly in next year's offseason, that will be the big point for us. But since it happened so recently, um, I, I know I know you're not like 
a full-on SEC person. You're, you're getting your feet wet. You're you're learning it. You're you you know, well, you, you have the Georgia Bulldog red gla- glasses on in the SEC. Uh, you know, no, no shame in it. But um, what what did you what did you think of it? That how, how do you how do you like the idea of every team playing Texas or Oklahoma? Um, it, do you think that's that's right? Do you think that's where we should draw the line is just with the two teams that came in everyone plays? Because to me, I felt like everyone should have played to either Alabama or Georgia, not either Texas or Oklahoma. I understand why they did it. Um, and it, I guess it's just for the the, the opening uh, schedule release for them. Maybe we'll change that up as it goes down. But what did you think of everything? It's hard for me to to pin down how I feel about the Oklahoma, Texas thing before we see this season play out because I saw a tweet that was like, who got the hardest schedule. And I was like, how the hell can you determine that when we haven't even played this coming season yet? So, so I, I do like that. Everyone is playing Texas and Oklahoma. I, I, I think I'm in favor of it uh, yeah. just because I've, I've heard, you know, Georgia has yet to play Texas A&M since they, they entered the SEC. So it, it's like, and Georgia fans don't like that. They haven't been happy about that. We, we, we want Texas A&M to come here. We want to go to College Station. We want to experience one of the new uh, type of, you know, the new, you know, they're not so new anymore, but the new members in the conference. Instead, they get sent to fucking Columbia, Missouri every other year. And, you know, which which is a lot, I feel like is a lot less fun of a place to watch a football game than, than College Station. So I, I like, you know, immersing every member, current member into the, the new membership. Um, I, I didn't catch who gets... Oklahoma and who gets Texas I think Georgia gets Oklahoma as as part of that but um it's 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 something I'm going to be kind of thinking about in the back of my mind as this season plays out it's like you know oh like Oklahoma's really good and then who's going to be the really good team in in the SEC that they have that showdown with next year that's going to be the uh you know the primetime ABC game because CBS will be will be out next year uh so I, I do to answer your question I do like the idea of every team being exposed to the new the new members of the league early on because that hasn't happened with some of the schools already but i i I am going to miss the fact that it looks like it sounds like georgia and auburn is no longer going to be a a yearly thing or georgia i think georgia and tennessee is no longer going to be a yearly thing too so you have to you know it's impossible to add new teams to a conference without breaking up certain rivalries or annual matchups unless you of course add more games which they're not going to do so Overall, I like the idea, but there is the opportunity cost of, you know, the deep South oldest rivalry no longer being an annual thing. Yeah. Um, j- just uh, real quick, Georgia, do- they go to Texas in the 2024 schedule. They play Auburn, Florida, and Tennessee all in Athens that same year. So at, at least for 2024, they've kept what I would consider their three biggest rivals, Auburn, Florida, and Tennessee. Um, but your, your point remains and it's, it's the thing that I have a question in my head too, of, okay, this year we salvaged pretty much all the big rivalries. Um, I think one that we lost was LSU and Auburn, which, um, has, has more historic value than it does recent value. Um, but for for 2024 they preserved pretty much everything like i mean alabama and tennessee are still going to play um tennessee loses south carolina on their schedule which for me kind of sucks because 
I mean, obviously you guys have, have heard sad game cock Mike Barlow on the show. Uh, it, you know, it's just always been interesting. I've got family that are a lot of family from South Carolina that are South Carolina fans. Um, so there's always just been kind of that, that SEC East uh, feel to it. We both started, you know, got new coaches at the same time. So it's been kind of like a Andrew Luck RG3, follow both of them through their career, see how they progress type of things. Um, but, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm torn on how it's going to look in the future. I think whoever put these together um, nailed it. I, I There's always going to be schedules that are quote-unquote harder than other ones. Um, that's just it's the name of the game. Some years you're going to play Georgia and Alabama. Some years you're going to not. Um, and that's just that's how the cookie crumbles. Alabama, Georgia can't play everybody. Um, this isn't the Premier League where you play everybody twice, although that would be pretty sweet. Um, I, I, my concern is that the maintenance of those rivalries is not sustainable. Like you said, yearly, annually. Um, I, I, I hope the sec draws the line and just says, no matter what happens, come hellfire or brimstone, these are our, you know, two teams for every team in the sec. These are our two that are non-negotiable. They're going to play every year regardless i main thing is i want tennessee to keep florida and alabama i would love to keep georgia too um but alabama alabama is my my cutoff point if you get alabama off my schedule i feel a lot less like college football and as much as it's fucking hurt us to have them be our west cross division arrival the last 15 20 years i get that but I would rather lose that game than not play it. It's just, it, it's, it's, it's football. It's, it's why I watch this sport. I watch this sport to see Tennessee win, but it doesn't mean anything to me if I do it on a schedule like Georgia did last year. And I'm not taking shots at Georgia. They won with the schedule in front of them. I get that. They're going to play a really hard schedule in 2024. I get that. It's not a pot shot, but I would feel really, really, I, I would just feel almost empty if we did, if we had a good season, but it was because we didn't have to play Alabama or Georgia or Florida, it just, it wouldn't feel the same. It wouldn't feel like college football. I totally agree. Uh, I completely agree. And it goes back to what I said at the very beginning of the show and Virginia losing to Florida in the college world series. You know, I'd rather they lose that game than not get the chance to play it against one of the top teams in college baseball. And it, it, I, it, it it's a bummer. It, you know, it was a bummer for me this year that Georgia didn't get to play Alabama again. Uh, just just to have that national championship rematch that that atmosphere um, and have it be kind of a rubber match for those last two games that they played where Alabama won in Atlanta in the SEC championship. So the I, I it, it is it is way more fun when you, you know what do they say you come at the king you best not miss well Tennessee gets a shot at the king every year and, and I mean this year's game at least you know imagine if this year's game didn't happen in Knoxville like that that was an iconic game it might have been the best college football game of the season for all we know. And imagine if that just didn't happen this year. Yeah, I mean, the two of the top three most viewed games were Tennessee games this year. Uh, I believe the number one was uh, Ohio State and Michigan, which s- s- stands to reason. That's the one game that happens in that conference every year. Um, but the, the second was Tennessee-Alabama. The third was Tennessee and Georgia. Um, I, I hate to say it, it just means more. And this season would have felt – less impactful if we hadn't had that Alabama game if that had just been you know 
uh, Auburn and we beat them, you know, 42 to 10. I, I, to be honest, I don't feel as good about this season. If, if that Alabama game doesn't happen, there was, there's just something, if you've never felt it, you, you can't be explained into how it feels, but it, that it's just, it, it's, it's that, it's that memory. It's it, it. You'll never be able to forget it. It's one of those games that will be shown on ESPN classic in 10 or 15 years. Um, it's one of those games that I've seen on, you know, sec network, probably 30 or 40 times since that game happened. Um, and it, it's, it's those moments. You only get 12 games a year, 13, 14, 15 nowadays, depending on what kind of postseason play you have, but you get, you get 12 days, you get 12 days a year out of 365 to enjoy this. And you, you, you want as many of those 12 to be memorable and, as much as I remember Jarrett Garantano going down to the plains at 11 a.m. local time and beating Auburn, it, it I, that's that has no emotional bearing to me as to what beating Alabama does. Just playing Alabama, the lead up to Alabama, Alabama week, thinking about okay, I got to run to the cigar store to make sure I have a cigar in case, and that, that's what I did last year. I ran to the cigar store in case. Um, every year I've run to the cigar store in case, and finally I got to smoke one, but it, it I, I, I'm, I'm waffling, but I, we had to keep those. That, that is the bedrock of the sec. And I know we're still talking about adding other teams. We're talking about adding Florida state, talking about maybe adding Clemson. Um, and that only makes things a little bit more, uh, uncertain in terms of keeping those yearly rivalries. I, I just don't want an sec where Tennessee doesn't play Alabama. Honestly, you can take anybody else. Leave me Alabama. I, we, we want I, – I want to hold up the sign. We, we want Bama. We want Bama. Uh, I'm not going to say we're going to beat them every year, but that's – it's like taking our brother away, you know, that, that sibling rivalry. It's, it's good. It's healthy. Don't, don't take that away. Please, 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 please. And my, my, my closing thought on this is I, everything you just said about Tennessee, Alabama, I feel that way about Georgia, Florida. Maybe it's the neutral site. Maybe, you know, maybe it's the nickname of the game. But I, I, if nothing else, Georgia needs to play Florida every year, whether it's in Jacksonville, whether it's at campus sites like it will be when the stadium gets renovated. Georgia and Florida need to play each other. Ask Jeff Dantzler, ask Scott Howard, any of those guys on the broadcast crew. They will tell you the one game we need to play and win every year is against the Florida Gators. And, and that, that, that it's kind of rubbed off. That's my favorite uh, SEC rivalry that I've been a part of. I, I don't know if it's, I don't know if every Georgia fan will tell you that Florida's their biggest rival, but that's my personal favorite. And I, I, I will, I will part with this saying that if the dogs and Gators ever don't play in a college football season, it's not a college football season. They need to get it out of Jacksonville though. That that is that is a game that deserves to be on a college campus, and I know Agreed. I've said that on here uh, hundreds of too. times. <laughs> that that game needs to be on college campuses. It is ridiculous that they can't recruit that game because that is that that that's the modern SEC East rival. Um, you know, historically it's been Tennessee, Florida, but recently it's been Georgia, Florida, um, and things are cyclical. That game needs to be on a campus. I want to see, I want to see a full red and black for when Florida goes there. I want to see a full blue and orange for when Georgia goes there. Um, I, I can't even imagine the environment because I've never seen it. Yeah, you, you uh, really, I, you can't, really, you can't. 
I, I can, I can imagine what it may be like, but um, even just campus activities and what, what Athens, what Gainesville would turn into for the day of, of that seeing game day go to those places, you know, to, to, to host the Saturday game day from, from Athens or Florida for that game. They already do it in Jacksonville, but I don't know. It just doesn't, it, it does to me, it just doesn't feel right. It feels like a bowl game. It feels like it doesn't matter almost in some ways. It, it, obviously it does, but it just kind of feels a little bit more pomp and circumstance than in college football. And I think they need to get that, that game on campus or, or maybe every third year play it in Jacksonville, you know, go home, home, Jacksonville, home, home, Jacksonville, throw it in the rotation. Don't do it every year. Well, uh, variations on a theme. If, if the front offices from the sec are listening, just like those from the NBA and the NHL have been listening, then they've, that's the third great idea that they've gotten just from this episode of the show. I mean, mean, there's so much good stuff in here. We, we, we could fix sports. I, I don't know how to do the scheduling. Like, I, that's that's like a Sudoku puzzle that I would never be able to do, uh, you know, putting these schedules together. But uh, other than that, I think we solved three uh, sports crises on this show. So uh, if you know anybody in, you know, uh, upper management of the SEC, the NHL, the NBA, College World Series, any of those places, forward on the link. Uh and, and, and t- tell them what time to fast forward to. Gary Bettman's not going to want to listen to this. Just give him the <laughs> NHL spot, please. <laughs> we do what we can when <laughs> it needs to be done here on The Right Hash. And once again, one before we go, one, one more reminder. Catch our show, The Right Hosh, our soccer show, with Rob Jordan. Our latest episode celebrating the Manchester City Championship is up on our social media and our Spotify. So, so give that a listen. We have a ton of fun doing that show. And, and our banter so in between fun. shows as well on Facebook chat. That's almost as fun as, as doing the show itself sometimes. Uh, so once again, thanks for everybody who tuned into this show. Uh, we, we're, we're, just, we're on the cusp. We're getting ready for that football preseason. So we, we'll have tons of Tons of content coming for you uh, this, this these next couple of months before toe meets leather, as the great Gene Deckerhoff would say. And we have all that. got paid when I made 60 mil. Drake got paid when I made 80 mil. Jimmy got paid. I ain't even got the rap now. Life is made. Said I ain't even got the rap. I'm still the main. Straight to the bank.